is it not great to uh, celebrate baptisms week in and week out? Isn't that good? Hey, keep that going and welcome all the campuses. We love you guys over there in Hillsboro, Garner, Sanford, online, Kenya campus, all of that good stuff. Welcome to those of you who are here. Hey, um, before I get into the message today, I want to just spend a few moments to talk to you about a video that I shot this week. And I can tell that a lot of you uh, got the video online or social media or via the email. Others of you maybe did not. And um, let me just walk you through what I did this week. Um, I felt the Lord over the last couple of weeks really leading me to try and shift our culture a little bit here at the church. And I didn't respond right away. I just spent some time praying about it, continuing to watch what's going on in our world. And uh, the more I thought about it, the more I prayed about it, the more I watched what was going on, I decided this week to shoot that video. And again, I can see most of you got it, but a lot of you didn't. It, it was a video that was about these things, masks. And um, it was a hard video for me to, to shoot because the truth is, can I just be honest with you? I hate these things. I hate them. And uh, I hate them for many reasons. I guess if I didn't wear glasses most of the time, I wouldn't hate them as much. But I hate them because they fog up my glasses. Can't stand that. Um, but what I came to the conclusion about was that um, it's not about me. And it's not about you. And what I said in that video, because by and large, most of you have been wearing them into our worship centers. Most of you, almost all of you have been wearing them out of our worship centers. Um, but a lot of us, because we said it, if you can get inside and socially distance, you can take your mask off. A lot of us have been taking them off in the worship celebration. And I know a lot of you have been keeping them on as well. And what I decided that I felt like I should bring to the church was the call was the challenge, was the invitation to let's leave these on in worship. Um, and again, I hate it for the reasons I said, but here's why I also hate it. When I'm talking to you, I can't even see your faces. I can't see your smiles. I can't, all I can see is your eyes. But again, I decided, and some of you are looking, oh, you're putting them on, you guys are awesome. What, what, I, what I decided was, listen, I, I believe it's the right thing to do, um, medically with the, with the cases that are spreading. I know some of you debate that, but why not be better safe than sorry? I, I think that the Holy Spirit has led me to do it. Um, and I've always said, all I will do at the end of the day, I'll make mistakes along the way, but I will try to do, do my very best to lead this church as to what God is leading us to do. And then thirdly, and this is what the Lord really laid on my heart recently, is what about the person who's not here yet that shows up? In other words, we're getting lots of guests these days. I can't believe it. I'm really surprised about that. But guests are still coming to our church in the midst of the season because these are hard times and people are struggling. And they're looking for hope. And if they come and they walk into a place where we don't have our mask on, in an area like this, it's very educated, one of the highest PhD areas in the nation right here, educated scientific community, and we don't have our mask on, we can be a stumbling block. And the verse I used in, there, in that video was 1 Corinthians 8, 9. And won't you read it out loud with me? And listen, when you have your mask on, I need you to read extra loud because I can't hear you. It's muffled. Ready? Go. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. 
Now, here's my point. Paul's talking to them and the church in Corinth about food sacrificed to idols. But you know, the church have used this a lot of times over the years about like the subject for alcohol, for example. Hey, if you can drink responsibly, that's okay biblically. But if you're around somebody who's an alcoholic or they can't, don't be a stumbling block for them, right? I think the same can apply in this situation. I think that if people come and we're not in these, it can, not always, but it can be a stumbling block. And again, I just think, I just think it's the right thing to do. And uh, we, you know, the vaccine is on the horizon. Hopefully we're gonna come out of this and we won't need this in time. But what do you say we wear our mask in worship for the duration of worship? Now, last thing and I'm moving on. And I'm really passionate about this one. That does not mean that any of us has the right to look at somebody who doesn't have a mask on and get all judgmental. And we will never, I said never, no, never turn somebody away from this church for anything. Anything. People matter to God, therefore they matter to us. So if somebody comes in and they don't have a mask, by the way, if you don't have a mask, we have them. We're gonna have these New Hope ones available next week if you wanna get one. We're just gonna sell them at cost at the Resource Center. They're really, really good, high quality, two layers, all that kind of stuff. We're gonna have those. It says reach, teach, and release on it. We can have those. But if somebody chooses to not have a mask on, don't be looking at them like, what is up with you, right? And don't be tapping them on the shoulder going, what is your problem, dude? Put a mask on. No, no, no. We're gonna create culture and we're gonna follow by example, me included, and we're just gonna try to encourage people to do it. What do you say? Good, good. You guys are awesome. All right. Hey, um, so uh, how many of you have your houses decorated for Christmas? Come on, show of hands, decorated. How many of you, how many of you have not started yet? Hey, this is, oh, there's a few back there. My man, Mr. Price. There's a few back there. Um, I, we've, we've done some decorating at the house over the last couple of weeks, and it's looking pretty good. But as I was kind of enjoying the decorations, and I really do enjoy Christmas and the music and all of that, um, I had this thought. It sure is a lot of effort, is it not, to put out all the lights, also kind of costly, put out all the lights and the wreaths. I mean, some of you are like Griswold. You've got the Griswold home, you know what I'm saying? You got stuff everywhere. You got the Christmas tree, you got the ornaments. It's a lot of work, and this was my thought. It sure is a lot of work when in just a few weeks, it all goes back in the box. You know what I mean? I mean, either the tree gets carried off to the, to the landfill if you do a real tree, but everything else goes right back in the box. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today uh, because I want to talk to you about the gospel. And I think that every single person here today is going to leave um, either solidified and clarified in your understanding of the gospel. And some of you, I believe, light bulbs are going to go off and you're going to understand the gospel maybe like never before. Because you see, the truth is, just like ornaments and lights and wreaths and all those things go back in the box, the truth is, everything else goes back in the box. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but your clothes, if you will, they die and go in the box. Your houses, your titles, your cars, your businesses, your accounts, everything goes back in the box. And I don't mean to bring a depressing topic to you today, but you go in a box as well. And it can happen in an instant, a man is jogging down the road and he feels a sharp pain in his chest. And in an instant, it goes back in the box. A teenager is out on a Friday night with some friends 
and another teenager runs a stoplight and in an instance, they go back in a box. You see, the truth is that can happen to any of us at any point in time. The doctor gives you the prognosis. It's malignant. You better get your house in order. And before you know it, it's all going back in the box. His name is Tony. He used to sit right here with his family. His stepdaughter is right here. She's on staff with me, Abby Ferguson. And on November 30th, just a few weeks ago, Tony was working and he had a stroke. And unfortunately, he was in a situation where he didn't get found for a while. And due to the severity of the stroke and the bleeding on the brain, Tony has for the last few weeks experienced blood clots, the prognosis of paralysis on one side of his body, and then the realization that he would be brain dead for the rest of his life. And so Abby and myself and her mom and other folks in the family, we gathered around the bedside at Duke just Friday night. And we made the hard decision to honor Tony's wishes. And at 12.10 a.m., early in the morning, Friday morning, Tony breathed his last breath. See, regardless of who you are, whether you're young, whether you're old, it doesn't matter. See, the truth is, it all goes back in the box. And what I want to talk to you about today is, is why I'm a follower of Jesus. Because I know some of you are real skeptical and you've looked at the church before and you're like, man, I don't want to be affiliated with, with Christians if they're going to act like this or if they're going to do like that. And, and you're just kind of stiff-armed the whole thing. And I'm with you on many of those situations, which is why we've tried to, we tried to grow a church that maybe goes against some of those stereotypes. But the truth is I've been following Jesus for 30 years now. And I cannot imagine a day in the future where I would not have my life as close to Jesus as it can possibly be. Because the truth is, if what I'm saying is true, and I think you can all agree with it, it all goes back in the box. The truth is, the question that we must automatically ask after that is, then what? Then what? What happens when it's all said and done and our time is up and, and we get put back in a box, if you will? I wanna to talk to you about the scriptures today and I'm actually gonna do a, a survey of the Old and New Testament. Again, some of you light bulbs are just gonna go off when you, when you hopefully hear me string all this together. You see, in the beginning, Genesis, God created humanity. And the Old Testament understood it as God created Adam and Eve. And when God created them, they lived in the garden, if you will. It was paradise. They were, there was no heartache, there was no brokenness, there was no sin, they would live forever, but God didn't wanna create a bunch of puppets, so God gave them free choice. And in Genesis chapter three, God basically said, hey, you can eat from any tree in the garden that you want to eat from. Just don't eat from that forbidden tree in the middle of the garden. And just like you and I, you know what they did. They rebelled against God. And they went right up to that one tree and they started tearing up some forbidden fruit salad. And in that moment, they knew that they were busted and then they started doing what we all do, right? The dudes started blaming the woman. Guys, we do that, right? The woman started blaming serpent, Satan. And the blame game was going on, but then they heard God, remember the scriptures, walking in the cool of the garden, 
Now, God had told them, the moment you eat that forbidden fruit, you shall what, church? You shall die. And so you would think, as you read it, you would think that the gig was up and they were done. It's in this very moment that we see the first glimpses of grace all the way back in Genesis 3. And do you remember they were naked, but but they were not ashamed, and God clothed them with the skin of an animal, I don't know if you've ever put it together, but that was the very first time we see a sacrifice in the Bible. Some animal had to die for them to be covered up. And sure enough, God didn't kill them. They lived, God covered them. Now what you see right there in Genesis 3 is substitutionary atonement. If you're a note taker, write that down, type that in your phone, whatever the case may be, and don't let the words scare you. I know they're big substitutionary atonement. Like, you know what a substitute is, right? I mean, how many of you, when you were kids, you loved when you walked into class? (laughs) I'm I'm amongst my people. Like, man, when we would bust up in the school and the teacher was sick or whatever the case may be, and we had a substitute teacher, it was game on. I mean, we gave the substitute teacher the hardest time. Oh, God, forgive us, right? But you know what a substitute is. Now, the word atonement, atonement is simply the fact that justice had to take place. Atonement means making the appropriate payment of justice when a crime has been committed. You see, they had committed a crime. God told them, you can have free reign, do whatever you want, but don't you do this. They did it. Justice had to be for them, and God took care of it. And it's in Genesis 3 that we see the very first glimpses of substitutionary atonement. Fast forward. Fast forward to Exodus, and we come across the Passover, If you know the Bible, you know this story as well. Let me just summarize it for you. Basically, since the fall, humanity and the planet had become a colossal mess of sin. Some things never change. God looked out at his people, ancient Israel, and God decided that it was time to get things in order. And so God told them in the Old Testament that I am going to pass through and every firstborn son will be slaughtered unless you take and find an unblemished lamb. I know it sounds barbaric and archaic, but this was the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Unless you find a critter that looks a lot like this, look at this beautiful lamb. Unless you find something like that, I know. And you slaughter it because Leviticus had taught them that there is life in the blood. You know this today. Cut your wrist, you're gonna bleed out. You're gonna die, right? And so he said, unless you find an unblemished lamb, the prize lamb in the herd, and you sacrifice it, and you take the blood. Remember this? You take the blood, and you place it over the door post, the the door frame of your home. You mark it with the blood of the lamb. Unless you do that, the firstborn will die. But if you do that, God says, I will pass over you. Thus, it's become known as the Passover. And here's the point, church, before I move on much further. Sin is serious. We forget that sometimes today. We wink at sin, but sin is serious. And when it's atonement time, justice must be served. 
You need to understand that to really grapple with the idea of there needing to be justice, there needing to be at one atonement for your sin and for my sin. If you're tracking with me, say amen. See, that's the hard thing about these masks too. I can't really see your faces. All I can see is your eyes. Fast forward a little bit further. You get to the Old Testament prophet by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah starts to prophesy and declare with this unbelievable prediction that God was going to once and for all take care of the sin problem. Isaiah 7, 13 and 14. Let's read it out loud and I need you to bring it for me to hear you through those masks. Ready? Go. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. This was an expert prediction. Prophecy throughout the Old Testament was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That same prophet in chapter 55, verse 3 said this, and you sounded so great on that one. Bring it again. Ready? Go. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now, I just got to tell you, church, it's hard for us to imagine, but they've been living in the sacrificial animal, sacrificial system for so long. When the prophet Isaiah mounted the pulpit and declared that, you can rest assured their mouths dropped open. Are you kidding me? Could the day actually come when we can stop sacrificing these lambs without blemish? And could it be that God is going to once and for all offer the ultimate substitutionary atonement? Fast forward to the New Testament. It's Christmas time, right? Fast forward to Luke chapter two. It starts when the angel of the Lord appears to some shepherds out on the hillside watching their flocks and they are absolutely freaked out. Luke 2, 10 and 12. We just gonna keep reading scripture together. Ready, Go. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. But check it out, church. That wasn't the only angel to make an appearance. Look at what verse 13 says. I'll read this alone. Suddenly, a great company. If you got your Bible, circle those two words, great company. A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now that phrase, great company, if you interpret it literally, it means an uncountable number of angels. An uncountable number of angels gathered on the hillside on that sacred silent night and celebrated the coming 
of Jesus. One scholar that I've read before makes the case that that night was so sacred and that this gift was so powerful that every angel that ever existed gathered on the hillside that day to declare the good news of Jesus. Now, I don't know if that is factual. I know it's a very awesome thought, though. A zillion angels, if you will, declared it's finally here. And they opened up the curtain and Jesus Christ was born. And the ultimate once and for all substitutionary atonement was provided for by God. Now, fast forward 30 years. Jesus is approximately 30 years old. He had been a carpenter in his dad's carpentry shop up until this point in time. At the age of 30, he starts to step fully into the divine calling that God had placed on his life. He comes walking one day and he, he comes across this dude by the name of John the Baptizer. Or for those of you who grew up in the Baptist church, you might like to refer to him as John the Baptist. No really affiliation, but that's, that's besides the point. He comes along and John is teaching a large crowd of people. And John looks at Jesus and he says this, look everybody, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Do you see the connection? Going all the way back to the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice the lambs without blemish. Jesus comes along as the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate substitutionary atonement. And three years later, wouldn't you know it, he went in a box as well. Just like you and just like I will one day, Jesus, who was God's gift to us, Jesus ultimately went in a box. You see, they decided that they had enough of this son of God who was teaching the ways of God. And so the powers that be, the officials of Rome, they tried him. They declared crucify him for insurrection to Rome. They nailed him on a cross and they killed him. That was Friday. And Friday, after he breathed his last breath, they took Jesus and they threw him in a box. They pushed him into a tomb, into a, a, a hole cut out in the mountain. I've been there, some of you have been there with me. Jesus in a box slammed into a borrowed tomb and that was Friday. Friday night rolled around, day one. Saturday rolled around. Day two. Sunday, early in the morning. Everybody say, early in the morning. God decided to wake his son up. And God the Father breathed into Jesus Christ the same breath of life that he breathed into Adam and Eve way back when, the same breath of life that he breathed into Jesus in and through the Virgin Mary. And Jesus Christ rose from the dead as the ultimate lamb of God, the ultimate substitutionary atonement that you and I might have a relationship with God and that we too, when we die, we not end up in a box forever or worse yet, in a place that the Bible calls hell. Separation from God, eternal punishment away from God and everything that is good but for those who will receive the gift of Jesus Christ, 
We won't end up in a box, glory to God, but we will end up in a place called heaven forever. And because he has defeated death, we too will defeat death and reign with God forever. And that, my friends, is the Christmas gospel good news of Jesus Christ. And this is what makes Christianity different from every world religion you will ever encounter. Every religion you will ever encounter, you can study them up and down. I have studied them. At the end of the day, they are based upon morality. They are based upon what you do. Christianity is not based upon what you do, beloved. Christianity is based upon what he has done for you. And it's the greatest news the world has ever known. Come on. <laughs> it's better than being a kid on Christmas morning. So I wanna end with just two points of application today. Two points. I realize there are two kinds of people who have gathered here with me today or online at any of the campuses. One, you are here and you are already a Christian. You came, you know Christ, you've been walking with Christ for a while, you love the Lord and you've been born again and you're here just to celebrate. And if you're anything like me, you just love to hear that gospel story. I never get tired of hearing of the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen from the believers? But here's what I want you to do today. One point of application for you. Here it is. Share the gift. If you have received the gift, and I love that you clapped right there. That tells me you, you're, you're willing to do that. Maybe some of you already do that. If you are a Christian today and you have received the ultimate gift of Jesus Christ, share the gift. If what I've said to you today is true, it's too good to keep to ourselves. I mean, if I, if I gave you a gift, if I prepared you a gift and I bought the gift for you and I wrapped the gift for you and I handed the gift to you as a Christmas gift from me to you, I'm not gonna lie to you. If you ignored it, you didn't do anything with it, I'd be a little offended The gospel message is that we are to share the good news with people. And I wanna invite you with just a few weeks left to Christmas, I wanna invite you to share the Christmas gift. You say, well, how, how do I do that, Pastor? I'll tell you how you don't do it. I'm not sitting here telling you to grab a big black Bible, go to a street corner, and start preaching out of a Bible and telling people if they die, where are they gonna go and start condemning them to hell and being a mean-spirited, angry kind of prophet. I, I don't know that that's ever worked. But I'll tell you what does work. Grab that card around you. Everybody got, everybody got a card? There's a card around you. Wave it at me and get, 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 some, get some wind blowing up in. Oh, you look great. Here's what you can do. You can take this card and you can hand it to somebody. And there's other cards, there's extras in here. So grab you a few on your way out. Snag as many as you want. And share the gift 
of Jesus with people. And I believe this is one of the most effective postmodern ways to do it. Take a friend or a colleague or a neighbor or a family member and just hand them a card and say this, we'd love to have you at our Christmas services. I think we can say that together. Everybody say, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you at church. We'd love to have you join us for Christmas. You, you can work on the vernacular and all you do then is just hand them a card. And can you just get a vision of, of everyone who considers this their church home, all the believers heading out of here today and over the course of the next two weeks, just handing these cards out because they work and people come. And if you can lead somebody to faith in Christ, go for it. That's awesome. Seriously, it's amazing if you can do that. But what I've said from day one is you get them here and I'll offer them Christ. We're in this partnership together. You get them here and from the ushers and the parking lot team to the greeters, to the band, to me, to you, we're all in it together and the Holy Spirit of God will move and people will come to faith in Christ. Who's coming across your mind right now that you could hand a card to? And if you just can't muster the courage to do it, which I tell you, everybody can, you can always just slip it into somebody's mailbox. You can actually slip it under somebody's windshield wiper. And if the alarm goes off, I've done this so many times. Run! <laughs> Sister was with me. Run! And when you run, just be praying for them. Lord bless them. Give it to somebody at work. Grab a bunch of them. And here's the amazing thing. God can take that simple act of obedience, that simple passion or compassion or empathy for the year that we've all had, right? And he can redeem it such that people can come to this church, I'll offer them Jesus, and they can be in heaven forever because of you. Share the gift. Here's the, here, woo-hoo-hoo. Hey, hey, some of you didn't even see it. It was so fast. <laughs> Here's the last thing and I'm done. What's the first thing? Share the gift. If you're a believer, share the gift. If you're not a believer and you're not sure, like if you, if you died today, you're not sure you would be with God in heaven forever. You're, you're not certain that you know that you know that you are a child of the Most High God. And if that's you, or you're online somewhere, or you're at another campus, here's the application for you. Receive the gift. Receive the gift. In the same way, we wanna, we wanna share it if we have received it, but go back to my analogy. Imagine that I give you a Christmas gift and I've put a lot of effort, time, and energy into it and you say, you know what? I don't even wanna open it. God has given us his best. For God so loved the world that he did what, church? He gave. He gave what? His one and only son that whoever what? Believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life forever. 
Here's a great verse of scripture to wrap it all up today. John 1:12. I want you to read it really strong and let this settle in. Ready? Go. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become, to become what? Children of God. Do you know him? Have you ever fully received him? And maybe today, as I've just kind of run through Old and New Testament, maybe today some light bulbs have gone off. And maybe you understand the gospel more clearly than ever and what you need to do more than anything. Before you even think about sharing him, you need to receive him first. A dad, Abby, you'll appreciate this as you just lost your stepdad. A dad was... Um, taking his sons to the funeral of his wife, their mom. And it was a gorgeous day, beautiful blue skies, and sun was bright, and the funeral was during the day, so it was like midday, and the dad pulled up to a four-way stop sign. And across the way, at the other stop sign, directly across from him, a big delivery truck pulled up. And so they're facing each other at the four-way stop sign. And the dad, who was a Christian who had walked with Christ a long time, had been grappling with, with how do I help my children understand that their mom is now in heaven? And so the dad had this epiphany, and in that moment, the dad said, hey, hey guys, y'all see that big truck? They said, yeah. He said, you see that shadow beside the truck? Because you see, the son had created this giant shadow to the right of the truck, and they're looking at it, and the dad goes, you see the shadow? And the boy said, yeah. The dad said, hey, I got a question for you. Would you rather be hit by that big truck or the shadow of that truck? And the boys were old enough to piece it together and they're like, dad, we would much rather be hit by the shadow of the truck. Friends, that is the message of the gospel. That because of Jesus, because he has been and will always be our ultimate substitutionary atonement. We don't have to get hit by the truck of death. Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the what? Of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. If you let Christ be your ultimate substitute, the one who pays your atonement, Yes, we all go back in the box. But if you put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, you will just pass through the valley of the shadow of death where you will live with God in heaven forever and ever and ever. Amen. Do you know him? Have you received him? Do you have a day where you say, that was my day. For me, it's October 23rd. Shall never forget it. It's my spiritual birthday. What about you? Pray with me. All heads bowed, if you will, eyes closed. Lord Jesus, on behalf of believers, we just wanna let you know that we love the gospel story. God, we're so grateful that you have been our substitute. We're so grateful that you paid a sin debt and a price that we could never pay. 
And we thank you, oh God, that we can live in this world here and now and not be afraid of death, for we know that we will only be hit by the shadow of death. And because you defeated death once and for all, oh God, and you promise us that we too, when we follow you and receive this Christmas gift, that we will step right from this world, just like Tony did Friday morning, right into eternal paradise with you forever. And Father, for those who are praying with me now and they're just content in that and they celebrate salvation, Father, would you prick our hearts? Would you remind us today that people matter to you and therefore they matter to us? And God, would you, would you stir us on to share the gift Oh God, forgive us whenever we become selfish and we hoard the gospel. Father, I pray that over the next couple weeks that new hopers all over the movement would just invite, invite, invite folks to our Christmas services, God, and that you would move mightily those nights and that we would continue to populate heaven, oh God, and make it really hard to go to hell from anywhere in central North Carolina. And for the person who's here or listening online, and the truth is you're not sure that you know Jesus. You're not sure that you've ever really fully understood the gospel like you do maybe today. And the truth is what you need to do before you even think about sharing the gift, you need to receive the gift. If that's you, I'm just gonna ask you to do something bold. I'm gonna invite you to lift your hand on the, on the count of three. There's something really, really powerful when a woman or a man or a child or a student raises their hand to God. That simple act does not save you, only Jesus saves you, but it's powerful to reach out and say, God, I'm yours. And if you desire that today, on the count of three, just shoot up your hand. One, in the very beginning, God created humanity and he put us in the garden on planet Earth and it was good but we chose sin and we've been living in a broken, fallen world ever since. But two, thousands and thousands of years later, God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ, as the ultimate substitute for you, the ultimate atonement, the one who would pay your sin debt because God in his holiness and me and my sinfulness do not work together. And so God knew there needed to be a sacrifice a once and for all sacrifice of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he did that on Good Friday where he was crucified, dead, and buried. But on the third day, the scriptures say that he rose again, that whoever puts their faith and their hope and their trust in him shall not die but live forever with God. On the count of three, just lift your hand up. Just raise them up high. Raise them up high. I want to pray for you. Hold them up high. Yeah, praise God. I see you here. I see you back there. I see you right here. I see you three or four folks over here. Praise God. I trust that the campuses, there's folks with their hands lifted up. Just church, pray with me. Hold your hands up high, church. Pray with me. Father God, bless these, your folks. Bless these who want to come into a life-giving, sin-forgiving 
eternally sustaining life with you forever. If that's you, just pray a simple prayer like this. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe. You tell me that if I believe and I receive, you will adopt me as a child of God. Forgive me of my sins. Just tell them, say, Lord, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I am yours. You are mine. Give me the power to live for you until I see you face to face and pass from this world into the next. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.